19, or Laroon, late winter, the month of the Sentinel, 994-YK. Cliff Scrape of the Lazar Principalities. Cliff Scrape is one of the most trafficked ports in the collection of islands that make up Lazar. It's comprised of pirates, sea barons, and merchant traders that haul shipments to and from ports like this, which has made it easy for someone like Graf to blend in undetected over these past two years. Graf has been sewing the seams together of various ships, their schedules, and most importantly, their shipments. Simply labeled Crate 300, this wooden cargo container has been en route for months, traded from one ship to the next to reach its final destination in the nation of Awandere. The crate is to be unloaded and reloaded onto a different ship here in Cliff Scrape. That is, unless Graf and his current companion, Dervo Tellus, can execute their premeditated plan. Graf and Dervo, riding a covered wagon, are just about to enter the Cliff Scrape dockside through an archway. Graf stands tall, looking over the rail as they approach the waterfront. Look alive, dwarf. I need you sharp today. His voice is commanding and his presence looms large. Small horns occasionally pierce through messy hair, but that's not what gives away his true nature. It's his wild orange eyes. They flash. Today's the day, Dervo. No second chances. He's an older dwarf that has seen his fair share of battles during the last war and has decided to put his bloodhound focus into securing valuable goods for the right groups at the right price. Dervo slows the cart a little bit. I'm not worried about me, Dervo. He smiles as he adjusts his patchwork armor and then just snaps. He leaps off the wagon and heads towards the archway. And Dervo, making his way slowly to the docks, sees an incoming ship, the Emerald Dream, carrying the mark that you've been watching for the past two years. With that, Dervo steps out onto the dockway and signals the ship into the port, giving them directions with his hands and flagging them down. But clearly the crew has it under control and are paying him no attention whatsoever. Graf just shakes his head and says, if only he was taller. Before you know it, the crew of the ship starts unloading various sized crates onto the dock. Some of these shipments are being transported into other small boats. Some are being loaded up and brought into town. But the crates Dervo specifically pays attention to. He orders some of the crew to stack on the back of his wagon. One of these crates is very large. It stands five foot tall, four feet wide, and three feet deep. It's taller and larger than Dervo, but he has his eyes locked on it. Printed on the side in a vertical typeface, the numbers three, zero, zero. Crate 300, it seems like. Take it easy with this big one. And Dervo quickly gathers two of the crew members and they begin hoisting it up into the, the wagon. We've been shipping this stuff all up and down Corvair. What do you guys got in here? And Dervo, true to his task, none of your your business, he says. Yeah, it's never our business, but we always got to ask. Machine parts. Just as they knock over one of the smaller chests that tumbles onto the dock, cracking open and scattering gold pieces everywhere like a festive pinata. Machine parts, huh? And the other pirates start scrambling to pick up the loose coins. And as they look up to the other chests on the wagon, they see it driving off into the distance. Dervo has taken the helm. He races away from the docks 
and towards an overpass that heads into the city. Here, his partner awaits. They'll have to successfully navigate through the city in order to get to the Moror Holds and deliver their heist successfully. Graf, he's got a glow in his eye and he doesn't seem frazzled at all. He seems ready for this, like this moment's been coming for a long time. Graf stands at the top of a forcullis, leading to one of the exits of the city. You can see Dervo is lashing the horses as best he can as the wagon starts swaying from side to side and the crates inside are sliding about. He's looking over his shoulder, trying to see if any of the pirates are chasing him down. Some of them are on foot. Others try to unlash horses to chase them down. So Graf, so ready for this, doesn't break a sweat, doesn't even look down, stares whatever pirate is gaining ground close enough, straight in the eye, dead in the eye. And his eyes just flash yellow for a second. And right as Dervo's cart goes underneath the portcullis, Graf snaps and the portcullis falls. Then Graf does a backflip onto the cart and meets Dervo. Says, classic. <laughs> Dervo's laughing. Oh, I didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> He's lashing the horses as best he can. And that's when, off in the distance, you see two drakes take flight from the dock. And you see Dervo looking over his shoulder at the, at the drakes that are screeching off in the distance. Pirates. I hate these guys. And you two start going off into the distance, deeper into the city, cutting off the dock from the rest of the city. Graf, wh- wh- what do we do? We, what do we do? We keep riding. If they get too close, we fix it. Dervo's doing his best to lash the horses as the wagon starts bouncing up and down with all the, the paved roads. The drakes are gaining ground. As you can see, they're each piloted by a pirate. They have big, long spears and nets. Graf doesn't break his smirk, um, and he just quietly lifts an arm and pulls out one of many hidden knives and holds it up, waits until the drake is maybe 75 feet and gaining, and you see just like this little yellow crackle flash around the knife as he throws it in a movement that's almost too fast to see. With a blur, that knife travels the distance and erupts in a giant arc of orange electricity, sending the the pirate into a, a tailspin into the ground. He bumps off the ground a little bit, knocking over a, a cart full of cabbages, and they fly up into the air. Just as the other drake starts flying in, and again, Duro looks to the uh, looks over his shoulder to see where the the drake is, and the drake lashes out with his giant claw, scraping his face, cutting his eye open, and just sending blood all over the place. And Duro's trying to grab what's left of his dangling eyeball. All right. So now Graf is just like, this is much worse than I expected. <laughs> to be totally honest, he really thought he had the situation under control. But now that Dur- Dervo's eye is just hanging out, um, he reevaluates his plan slightly. So t- tell me exactly the position of the Drake. The Drake has just flown by and attacked Dervo and is now hovering above the cart and trying to keep ground as you guys are moving deeper and deeper into the city. You start like knifing back and forth in between different streets as best as you can, but the, the, the without any other distractions, the Drake definitely has you guys pinpointed. So it was a hit and run and he went back up into the sky by what, 20 feet, 30 feet? Yeah. Okay. Alright, so Graf just locks eyes onto the Drake and shouts at the pirate. What else you got? 
the pirate throws down his spear and it just lodges in between you and Dervo, splintering the wood. Thanks. And Dervo, with, with his last good eye, points off in the distance. You can see that you're about to head into the, the market plaza and you can see there's other carts and other wagons that look very similar to yours. Perhaps you guys could lose them in the crowd. You could even probably take control of another one and create a diversion. All right, so Durvo just keep driving and he points at Durvo and some sort of lighter yellow flash appears and Durvo's face looks a little less bad all of a sudden. Then keeping eye contact with the pirate and waiting for him to get within 10 feet. Durvo touches his face a little bit, but his eye is completely messed up at this point. And he looks over to you. I got to bring this into the moor holes. We got to get this to Sire soon as possible. We got to lose this one. I know. He's going to take us both out if we're both here. He's not. The drake starts getting closer. I sort of just like stand up really straight and then another flash and I jump and try to land on the drake face to face with the pirate. So Graf jumps onto the drake and you're met face to face with the pirate who's caught a little off guard by such a bold thing to do. And the drake just continues flying as Dervo continues steering the horses into the wagon mix. And the pirate is just startled with seeing Graf's face to face and starts to have a little scuffle and just grab his clothes. While this is happening, I steady myself by grabbing the pirate's neck. And again, the eyes glow and you see just sort of the hint, faintest hint of almost like the veins in his neck have, have lit up like bioluminescence or something. Something's going on there. And Graf just starts saying something in, in almost tongues. It's, it's, he's talking to himself, but it feels like someone's listening. With the spell incantation, you see this pirate all of a sudden is just in a trance as he's taken in by these words and taken in by the magic that surrounds the both of you on the back of the drake's wings. And then the knife. Blood streams from his throat. You aren't seeing this, but Jervo continues into the market square and he takes the spear and he starts slapping the asses of the other horses. (laughs) The carts start moving around in an equally as frantic pace as he is. Once you're done with the pirate, you see that there's just a craze of activity with the carts and the horses moving about. Dervo's created quite the diversion for himself, just in time as you take control of the drake and see three other drakes in the distance heading towards you guys. Great. If I'm in control of the drake, I do my best to force him to effectively nosedive about five feet away from the cart so that the drake kind of hits the ground. You can easily jam the back of your feet into the drake's head, pushing his head down into the ground to force him to do a nosedive. And with that, the drake face plants into the ground and his wings go limp. And I hop off and make my way back to the cart and Dervo. You aren't sure which cart is Dervo's at this point. Oh, right. Yeah. It's such a mix of various carts and he's created quite the diversion for himself as the other three drakes start flying in and they aren't sure what's happened to their compatriots and they aren't sure where, what's been happening to Dervo and the wagon. Graf kind of thinks and says, well, I guess it's most important to finish the job, so he'll know to keep moving. I'll stay back. Graf manages to slip away into the crowd with a feeling of a job well done. Graf finds himself in a seedy bar far and away from the edges of Cliffscrape, where no familiar face could find him. 
Here he finds a warm drink and some shit on a shingle, and just as he's about to kick back and celebrate the success of his two-year mission, he overhears, Hey, did you hear about Siren? No way! Gone? Really? Everything? Murmurs of the morning have finally reached the outskirts of the nation, and he hears about his beloved sire being consumed in some magical fog. I hear some people couldn't even escape the lightning rail. A train came through and everyone in it was completely turned to dust. No way. I heard that monsters are coming out of a giant rip in the ground and slaughtering people left and right. No way. This is the work of House Caneth. I think they're, they're trying to turn us all into Warforge. And rumors abound of what's been happening to his nation of Sire. Gref just hears all this. And just for a moment, he looks worried. But then he sort of says to himself, I'll believe it when I see it. And as your gaze drifts, it lands to the center of the table where an empty candlestick holder reminds you of a gift friends once gave you in remembrance. Yeah, Graf just thinks for a second and, well, it's not like it was ever going to be useful at a different time and takes out that smelly, nasty incense from the triple bag that he put it in, three layers to try and stop the smell, and places it in the candle holder and snaps and lights it. This pyramid of incense has been in your possession for these past two years and almost in a celebratory way. It's mixed with a moment of remorse, perhaps even mourning. Maybe you light it in memory of a nation gone by. You don't quite believe it. Your words and thoughts are in a bit of a denial, but you do feel a grave moment. And the atmosphere is accented by the incense that you've lit. The attendants here don't even take notice of the horrible smell that you've lit. It's almost as if it's meant to be in a place like this, on this in a seedy tavern on the edge of Corvair. And as the incense burns, something within it catches your eye after a long, slow, flickering flame. At the base of this pyramid, there seems to be a journal encased in the incense, pages wrapped in bound leather. So he snaps again to stop the flame and reluctantly reaches in to what's left of the smelly incense and pulls out this book. I did not expect this. This binding of worn blank pages is bound in a deep, dark hide of leather. The pages are blank. What was Kali planning here? I leaf through, looking for anything maybe put in the pages. I hold it up to the light. The only thing you notice is it's void of any stench. Nothing. I think for a moment and flip back to the first page and just write the rabble. And underneath I say day one. As you write those words on the page, just as you finish putting the period in, they slowly disappear. This was a prologue introducing Graf, played by John Selig, one hero in Eberron Chronicles Oracles of War, a D&D 5e Adventurers League campaign DM'd by Alex LaFarrier. Influence this game and story at eberronchronicles.com and subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. You are our Dragon Shards and keep this show powered. Email the show directly at speakingstone at eberronchronicles.com. We really do read every email from the fans. The adventure begins today.